morning, everybody. Uh, it's kind of interesting. It's our, I think, fifth service now, including Christmas Eve, uh, doing a service in the round like this. No one ever wants to sit over there. It's like an interesting, like, social experiment. So way to go, Dave. Dave's breaking the ice. And uh, is it, uh, are you going to join him, Tim? All right, see? You started a trend. This is good. Uh, here comes Josh. I tell you, it just took one. There's a metaphor in there. Um, so glad you guys are uh, hanging out with us this morning. Uh, we are in a series right now where we are talking about the idea of beliefs and kind of this fancy phrase we've been throwing around is that our orthodoxy affects our orthopraxy or determines it, which is just a fancy way of saying that what we believe, as in what we like really actually believe deep down, like not just what we lip service say we believe, not just what we, you know, kind of intellectually have kind of written off that we believe, but what we actually really believe down deep, that affects the way we actually act. Uh, So to get us thinking a little bit about that, um, uh, first we're going to talk about the idea of climate change. Uh, And talking about this, uh, I'm not trying to make any kind of a political stance at all. Uh, We are kind of a wide church, and so there's people that might have very different beliefs about climate change. Uh, But uh, for the point we're trying to make today, I'm guessing that many people in this room would say that they believe that climate change is real. And so let's just, for intellectual exercise... If you really believed that climate change was real, how would that affect the way in which you actually live? Uh, We're going to do a lot of uh, crowd participation today, so we need some shout-outs. So if you actually believed in climate change, how would that affect the way in which you live your life? Shout some out. You would recycle? Okay. What else would you do? Electric vehicles. All right. Uh, What else would you do if you really believed in climate change? Tim would sell his private jet, uh, which wouldn't make a lot of money because it's very small. It's made of plastic, uh, but still, yeah, that's good. Uh, oh, well, we'll... I would buy his private jet. Tim would buy his private jet, okay. That's good. You uh, recycle, I got that good. I think you guys get the general idea that if you, like, genuinely really believe this, it would probably, and, and I, I, I would guess that many of us at some level would be like, sure, I, I believe in climate change. But when it came to like totally affecting what you drive, affecting your travel plans, affecting every purchase that you buy, there's kind of like a whole nother level of like, sure, I believe to like, okay, now this is like actually influencing everything I am. Uh, like I said, we're not here to talk about climate change, uh, but what we are here to talk about is Jesus. Uh, and so uh, let's talk a little bit about the idea of Jesus. And so if you believe that Jesus, we sang a song about it today, if you believe that Jesus was good, if you believe that 2,000 years ago there really was a historical guy named Jesus, he walked around the earth, and the way in which he lived his life was just so good. Uh, actually, bring it up to the next level. Let's say that there was a guy 2,000 years ago, and he, li- he was like the goodest, best person that ever lived. When it came to living life, he did it as good, as bad as you could ever do it. If you really believe that was true, how would that affect your life? Stumped you? <laughs> well, what are some things that would change your life if you really believed that Jesus was a great person? 
be something to aspire to. Yeah, maybe like see him as like kind of an ultimate role model type deal. Yeah, that's good. You would listen to what he talked about. Yeah, that's good. You would what? You would worry less and just kind of, okay, kind of look at him as an example of that. That's good. Uh, all right, what about this one? If you believe that not only was he like, was he living a good life, uh, it's kind of on what you said. If you believe that he was a great moral teacher, and so that he put out this kind of like way in which you are supposed to live your life, and the way in which he lived, told you to live was just amazing. It was the best way that anyone has ever taught of how you should live your life. If you really believe that was true of Jesus, how would that change your actions? You try to live more like that? Okay, that's good. It, all right, we, we have a ditto. All right. Uh, how, how else would it truly change your life if you really believe that Jesus was a great moral teacher? You try to convince other people? Sure. Yeah, I mean, if you read like a great book about, oh, this is like, this is a life-changing diet, if you, you share it with people, if you really believe that this is a life-changing teaching, of course you would share it with other people. Yeah. Any others? All right. What about this one? If you believe, because that's good that Jesus is a good, good guy, guys, Jesus is a great moral teacher, but if you believed that Jesus was Lord of all, was Lord of everything, how would that affect the way in which you live? Uh, and hold off, because I do want to get a bunch of answers on this one. Um, but before we do it, I want to read you a, a bit of scripture. This is from a letter that a guy named Paul wrote 2,000 years ago uh, in to a city called Colossae. Uh, and this is Colossians chapter 1. So if this was true of Jesus, how would this, if you really believe this, how would this change the way you live? Uh, Paul writes this, the, the Son, meaning Jesus is the image of the invisible God. You want to know what God looks like? The Son. The firstborn over all of creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood that shed on the cross. If you really believe that Jesus was Lord of all, how would that change your actions? Uh, again, before you answer, uh, I want to get a little bit of a better description of what we mean by the idea of all. Uh, and I'm going to need at least one volunteer who has good handwriting and can spell good. Any writers, speller, gooders? All right, my wife will help. Hooray for the linguistics major. Thank you very much. All right, so on that sheet over there, on the very top, 
if you can write uh, those words, Jesus, Lord of all, big, and then underneath there write a big line. Look at that nice handwriting. That's good. So, but Ash and I are celebrating our 20-year wedding anniversary. How about that, huh? Yeah, it's because of handwriting like that. That's what gets you there. All right, so put, put, put up the yeah, big line underneath there. All right, so what, if Jesus is Lord of all uh, for this experiment, what would be considered under all? When you think of all, what is included in all? Shout some stuff out to me. Your time? What did you say? The population, all people. Your life? That's good. Government? All right, that's good. All right, let's get a little um, personal. Uh, let's think about decisions for a second. Uh, what is a decision that maybe you are currently trying to make or maybe a decision that someone you know is trying to make uh, that would be considered under the idea of all? What's a decision someone is trying to make right now? Budget. Budget. Good one. What's another decision? Cabo. Cabo? Should you, t- yeah, I think vacation plan works. That's good. I mean, when you have a private jet, it makes it a little bit easier, but that's nice. All right. Mental health. Yeah, big one there. Um, all right, how about these categories? And so uh, here's a, a prayer that uh, we pray quite a bit around here. Uh, you might have, we hold our hands up. And so we say this idea that we're going to surrender all to the Lord, that if Jesus is Lord, then we're surrendering everything. And so we kind of have some categories of that. And so we start by saying we surrender our preferences. Uh, someone give me uh, some of your preferences. What are the things that you prefer? Sleep? Yeah, that's a good preference. Yeah, there's some folks that are sleeping in right now that prefer to sleep in. That's good. We love them. Uh, what are some other preferences? What? Career choice. That's a good one. Good preference. Schooling. Yeah, what kind of schooling you like? Yeah, private school, homeschool, Christian school, all kinds of, yeah, good stuff in there. Uh, all right, what's prejudices? Uh, it's, we're an honest group around here. Uh, and so what are some prejudices that maybe either you or someone else you know has? Uh, and they're not good, but they're, they're prejudices that you have. What are some? Yep, anti-Semitism. Yep, it's a good one. Yeah, what are some other? Yes, yeah, so it's got a new person at work, just kind of like, you're new and I don't like you. You're, you're, not, you're not in our club yet. What do you think about that? Yeah. I, yeah, I think that's good. I'm not doing it. You got more hips in it? Okay. Uh, what about position? Uh, what's a position that some of you, some of you hold in life? Authority? Yeah. Uh, what's another position or title maybe that you have? Parent. Parent. A good one. You must have a position. A boss. Yeah, that's good. All right. A couple more here. Uh, surrender my fears. Again, honest group. Uh, what's a fear that maybe you have right now or maybe someone you know has? Spiders. It's a good one. Underneath that. Loneliness? Spiders and loneliness. Well, one of you is deeper than the other one. I'm not going to say which one is which, but... 
What'd you say? No snow. It's good. Any other deep? Uh, let's get one more deep fear. Death. Ooh, it's good. All right. Uh, what about finances? Uh, someone give me a financial goal that you have for this calendar year. What's something that you're hoping to achieve financially this year? Get rich. All right. How's it going so far? Debt free. That's a pretty good goal. Yeah. You must have a financial goal? Buy a car. I think it was your goal last year, too. It didn't go well. <laughs> this could be your year, man. Uh, all right. Uh, two more. Uh, this one should be easy. Uh, who has a friend? Uh, someone name one of your friends. Bella. Yeah, Bella. All right. Anyone else have a friend? What, what's, what? Claudia? Hadia. You got that, huh? Success? All right. Uh, And then last, uh, family. Uh, Someone name somebody in your family. Aaliyah. Grandpa. What'd you say? Abby. Nice. Here's the dog, though. Uh, (laughs) Okay, okay, family. All right. Good job, hon. Thank you. Good job. Yay. All right, so here's the goal, is that this and all the other things that we could possibly write in there is what does it look like if we really believed that Jesus is Lord of all? Which, by the way, like, that is our, our goal as a church. Not that we've all achieved it yet, but that's why we do services. That's why we encourage you to be a part of groups and why we want you to be a part of a daily office and why we want you to have a say. All of these things are about a journey that we're hopefully all on to each day to move a little bit more to make Jesus Lord of all. Uh, here's what we want to get to. Here's what uh, Paul says a little bit later in Colossians. He says, you get to the point where that whatever you do, kind of any action, any decision, anything where you're trying to figure out what should I do next, whether in word or deed, you do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. You kind of put everything under the Lordship. As as I'm deciding, how should I spend my time? About when I'm trying to decide, how should I make this financial decision? About how should I handle this fear or worry that I have going on? You do it all through God, and you thank Him for everything, uh, which is not something that's necessarily easy, uh, and it's this process. And so what we've said in this series, you go to the next one there, is that we want to be on this journey of more and more believing that Jesus actually is Lord, because that's, how do you move to that point of actually saying, I'm going to believe that Jesus has authority over all of those things, and I'm going to willingly put all of that kind of under his authority, and I'm going to submit to whatever he says about each of those things and anything more. Uh, And so what we want to do is we want to increase our belief that Jesus actually is the Messiah, the Son of God, and the reason why we want you to do that is because we believe that as we, the more that we put everything under the lordship of Jesus, that that is life. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, in a few weeks, uh, kind of, we talked about this um, back in the fall as well, that kind of the initial big decision is what are we going to choose for a life of flourishing? How are we going to choose our life? And we can choose to put God at the top or we can choose to put a million other things at the top and anything else is what the Bible calls idolatry. And what we want to do is we want to move to the point where literally 
everything in our life is underneath the authority is surrendered under Jesus. Everybody good so far? Got it? Okay. Uh, Now, what I want to talk about for the rest of our time is something that is underneath that authority. That if Jesus is truly Lord of all, if Jesus has authority over everything, if everything we do is submitted to the Lordship of Jesus, then here's something that didn't make it on the list yet, but is very important that is also under the Lordship of Jesus. And that is the Bible. Uh, And so obviously when we come in uh, to buildings like this, when we come to our group, we spend a lot of time talking about the idea of the Bible. And the Bible is an incredible collection of books that tells us a ton about what God is like. This is an incredibly inspired thing that we have. But what we believe around here at Christ Church Albany is that this book, as great and wonderful and as important as it is, that it also sits underneath the lordship and authority of Jesus, uh, which is incredibly important. Uh, And so a couple of reasons of why we say that is because that's what Jesus claimed. And so uh, go to the next one there. And so again, we say that so that everything is under Jesus. Uh, that includes all of that, and then it also includes the Bible, that, the G- that Jesus is also supreme over the Bible. Uh, and when Jesus was on earth uh, 2,000 years ago, there's lots of different things Jesus said, lots of different things that Jesus did, but the thing that got Jesus the most in hot water and the thing that ultimately got Jesus killed was, for the most part, three things. Was Jesus ate with people and spent time with people that, that other people didn't like that he was spending time with those people, Uh, And Jesus talked a certain way about the Bible, and Jesus talked a certain way about God that really kind of made, especially the religious leaders, eyes go up and go, whoa, I don't know if you can say that. And ultimately got Jesus killed, but we believe that Jesus was right. Uh, So here's a couple things that Jesus would regularly say uh, about the Bible. So the first thing that Jesus would do is Jesus said that the Bible was all about him, uh, which is a pretty crazy statement. Uh, And so As some of you know, uh, the Bible isn't actually a book. It's actually a collection of books, 66 different books. 39 of those books are in what we call the Old Testament. And so Jesus kind of started the New Testament, which is written. Jesus came on the scene 2,000 years ago. The New Testament was written 2,000 years years ago after Jesus. But the Old Testament was all written and all occurred at least 400 years before Jesus was ever born. And so it's kind of a crazy thing for Jesus to come on the scene and say all of these other passages, all these other stories, all these other verses, these are all actually written about and for me. And the only way to truly understand them is through the lens of me, uh, which is something to uh, Jewish friends then and Jewish friends now would make their eyes go up, but that's what Jesus claimed. Uh, Second thing uh, that Jesus claimed uh, was Jesus would regularly reinterpret the Bible. Uh, go to the next one there. There it is. And Jesus would regularly, and so Jesus would regularly take things that were written down, spoken of in the Bible, and he would kind of change the understanding of it a little bit, or sometimes he would kind of completely change the way in which we understand it. So Jesus would regularly say things like this. He said, you have heard that it was said to people long ago, but I tell you. Jesus said, okay, this is what was written down 2,000 years ago. Uh, we get that. But now I'm saying that you should handle it, you should interpret it, you should understand it a little bit 
different, or sometimes a lot different, uh, which maybe to some of us now and definitely to the people then would have kind of made their eyes go up and be like, whoa, like, this is the Bible. Like, you can't just, like, reinterpret it to, like, what you want to say. But Jesus felt like he had that authority. Uh, and then the last thing uh, was that Jesus gave us a lens of how we are supposed to interpret the Bible, uh, which is, in, all these are incredibly important for us, but this one's very important. Uh, and so many of you uh, are in a community group. Uh, and so we have groups that meet not on Sunday mornings, uh, and we get together and we discuss different things about life, but often different Bible passages together. And one of the things that, uh, questions that we encourage you to do when you get together with your groups uh, is some of you do what's called the discovery Bible study method. And so you'll open up to uh, kind of any part of scripture, really, uh, because the whole thing is about Jesus, what he says. And you read a section of scripture. And then uh, after you read it, sometimes you'll have someone else read it. And then after someone else read it, you'll have someone else kind of give it from memory if here's what I remember about it. And then you'll ask these two questions. Uh, because what we want to, we just want we don't want to just read the Bible. We don't just want to like know the Bible. We want to say, what does this mean for me? Like, what is this really, what should I understand? What should I believe differently because I read this? Uh, and the two questions we ask is, what does this passage, whatever it happens to be, what does this tell us about God, and what does this tell us about people? And Jesus comes along, and he says, like, in all your groups, your answer should be incredibly boring, because each week it should almost be the same answer, because he says that any given passage you open to, it says the same thing about God in some way, and it says the same thing about people. He says that all of Scripture, all the law and all the prophets, which is his way of talking about all of the Old Testament, are about these two commands of loving God and loving people. Uh, and so that's a lot in a short amount of time, but it's for the idea. What Jesus says is that when we open, when we read, when we study, when we preach Scripture, that we should do it through a lens of interpretation, of understanding, and under the authority of Jesus. Uh, let me read you a, a quote real quick. This is from a guy named Marty Solomon. Uh, Marty uh, does a podcast called the Bema Podcast, which is amazing. Some of you have listened to it. Uh, I put it uh, in our weekly email. There's an episode of it. It's actually the episode that this quote is from. I encourage you to check it out if you get a chance to. Uh, but here's what Marty says. He says, one must be confronted with the authority, lordship, everything underneath him of Jesus and the gospel accounts. Everything that the follower of Jesus interprets in the Bible has to be seen through the lens of Jesus. If you're a follower of Jesus, you have to. When Jesus says the right way to interpret the text is through love God and love others, if you are a follower of Jesus, you are now forced to read your Bible through that lens. As a follower of Rabbi Jesus, you do not get to disagree. Please consider that whatever interpretation of the book is, whatever book you happen to be looking at, verse in the Old Testament, it must be aligned with Jesus' yoke of love God and love other people. Jesus said that all the law and all the prophets are interpreted through that lens, period. That's how we have to read it. Whatever we are supposed to learn from the book of Joshua, which is just one of the books in the Old Testament, you could pick any of them, Whatever Joshua is supposed to say, whatever you're reading, you're trying to figure out, what is this, how does this apply to my life? It is supposed to make us more loving of other people. As a follower of Jesus, I have absolutely no 
other option, which is an incredibly bold thing to say. Uh, But here's uh, some good news uh, for all of us, is that if you have been a part of our church for a little while, and I think many of you just like in the way which you've already been living your life, have already been living your life kind of under this guide of letting Jesus interpret what this scripture has to say. Uh, And I'll give you a couple examples of this. Uh, So first one is food. Uh, How many of you uh, over the last, I don't know, month have have eaten some sort of bacon or pork chop or ham or any kind of a pork thing? Uh, You made a very interesting choice because there are scriptures in here they kind of very intentionally say that you are that people who are following God are not supposed to eat pork. But you have decided that when Jesus came along and he said that that, that was changed and he reinterpreted that and re-explained it, you have chosen to go with the Jesus way and not kind of the old way of understanding that. Uh, next one, uh, circumcision. How many of you are circumcised? Just kidding. <laughs> I knew I had to cut that off quick. Uh, that was bad. Um, but here's what's interesting. We don't talk about circumcision in our church. Uh, if you, any of you are getting ready to have kids, if you've had kids, like that's not a discussion that we normally come up, which is re- weird because for much of the Bible's history, the kind of the big markers of if you're following God were the food that you're eating or not eating and this act of circumcision. And so the fact that you've just kind of chosen to like ignore it as like a, something that we need to or not have to do as a follower of Jesus, you've chosen to follow a Jesus interpretation of the Bible and not a different way. Uh, next one, uh, rebellious kids. Uh, how many of you have rebellious kids? Uh, how many of you have ever been a rebellious kid? Uh, uh, this is really good news. Uh, there are verses, uh, this first part isn't good news, there are verses in the Bible that say that if a child is rebellious, uh, what you should do, according to the Bible, is you should take them outside of town and you should stone them to death. So the Bible says. And there's a lens and an interpretation, and it, because it's not just like a Jesus came and changed, I don't think. And this is deeper than we have time to go into today. But if you go into any synagogue today and talk to any of our Jewish friends who do not believe that the Bible is under Jesus' authority, none of them are taking their kids out and throwing rocks at them either because they have saw that there's, that this text is saying something different, that there's a, the way in which you should actually live it out. But for all of us, there's something about when you say that, that just, when you align that everything is under the way of Jesus and for whatever you understand and whatever you know about Jesus, the idea of that that's the way you should treat rebellious people just doesn't align with your way in which you do Jesus. And so you've decided to read through the Jesus lens. Um, last one, uh, gender roles. And so those first three are kind of from the Old Testament, which is kind of easy to poke at. Um, but the next one, uh, gender roles, there are verses in the New Testament, so after Jesus, that say specifically, women are not supposed to speak in church. Uh, and some of you might have noticed that uh, Leslie opened up our service today, and, uh, and when I get done talking here in a second, Leslie's going to come up and talk again, and I don't know if, Leslie is a woman. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so we have decided 
even though that there are verses that say that a woman shouldn't speak in a church, then based off of the context of everything else that's going on in those verses and what we think that the author was actually trying to communicate, and then based off of what we believe Jesus, the way in which he actually lived and the way that we watch him and the way in which he built up and did amazing things to empower women, we believe that if you read it through a Jesus lens, it leads to different results. And on and on and on, that's the way in which we have chosen to go about all this. Uh, and I say all this, this is, I think, incredibly important for all of us uh, for a couple of reasons. One, uh, going forward uh, for uh, the next couple of weeks of this series, uh, but really any time if you're in our series for next year or five years from now, we're going to open the Bible. That's what we do when we get together on Sunday mornings. When you get together with your community group, we're going to open the Bible, and we're going to try to learn from this. And we believe that we, as we do that, we need to do it through a very specific lens, which is the lens of Jesus. Uh, but I also think it's important for a lot of us personally, because for some of us, the, the Bible has been a, a difficult book. And there's times where when we read it, we're just like, I don't even know like, what to do with this, because this feels like, this is like pushing some sort of like a, a violent or anti-science or anti-women or whatever it might be agenda. That I just, it doesn't feel like it tracks with Jesus, and you've like had a tough time putting that together. And what we want to say is we want to give you permission. We want to read this through the Jesus lens, and as you do, then that's good. And then the last is that for many of us, it's not it's been like difficult. It's just like, if we're honest, like we don't even really want to read the Bible that much. It's not like we wake up in the morning like, oh good, I get to like open the Bible and read it because it's just become something that we know we probably should do, but it's not something we really want to do. And what I want to lay before you is that I think one of the keys to really making Scripture come alive and making it something that you want to do is to start reading it through a Jesus lens. And as you do, it beca- the, the whole thing becomes so much better. It becomes so much more good news that we get to be a part of in every single way. Uh, all right, lastly, uh, all of that is kind of this like, it's, this is like crazy claims. I mean, this idea of any of that stuff that, that I'm going to live any parts of my life under the lordship of Jesus. And then the idea that, like, I'm going to, like, read the, I'm going to let somebody reinterpret how I understand the Bible is, like, kind of a crazy deal. And it brings up all those questions, like, who in the world does this guy think he is? Like, who is this guy 2,000 years ago who's walking around with sandals and a robe on who thinks he can claim to have that level of authority, that level of reinterpreting, that level of saying, I want you to follow me in every single part of your life. I want you to surrender all of everything to me. Who gets to say a claim like that? And... The only thing you could possibly claim that is if Jesus wasn't just a guy, if he wasn't just a good guy, if he wasn't just a good moral teacher, but if he was in fact actually God. Uh, so, again, this is what uh, Paul said. Is that this is who the Son is. Is the Son is the image of the invisible God. Here's why God gets to be over all of these things, because this is who Jesus is. Jesus 
is God. And this is what Jesus claimed about himself. So this is uh, from uh, the book of John. This is uh, Jesus at the, the Last Supper. Uh, this is right before Jesus is going to be crucified, and he's having this meal with his disciples. And this is this conversation that Jesus had. Uh, go to the next one there. He said, I am the way and the truth and the life. Jesus claimed, no one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. And from now on, you do know him, and you have seen God. And Philip, one of the guys sitting there, said, Lord, oh yeah, that, that, that's it. We want to see God. We want to see what God is actually like. So yeah, just show us the Father and that would be enough for us. We want to know what God actually looks like. To which Jesus responded. Jesus answered, Philip, you want to know what God is like? Don't you know me? I mean, come on, Philip. Even after I have been among you such a long time, listen, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? Don't believe that the Father is just like up there and watch. That I am the Father. The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. And it's so good that Jesus put that last part in there. Because for the folks that were sitting around the table there, they had some level of belief, but really believing that all of that could actually be that true, that good about God. They weren't quite sure of yet. And they'd seen some pretty good evidences, but they would have to wait a few more days as Jesus would be crucified and then as Jesus would be risen from the dead. And then what facts on the ground say is that what is kind of unrefutable is that in the early part of the first century and into the second century, there was this movement of ordinary people who were actually putting their whole lives under the lordship of Jesus and reinterpreting and re-understanding the sacred scriptures through the lens of Jesus because they believed and they claimed that Jesus was the son of God, that he was God himself, and he had authority, and that he was Lord of all. Uh, let's pray. Uh, Jesus... Help us to believe. Help us to recalibrate all of our lives under this lens of you being Lord. Help us to surrender 
our preferences, our prejudices, our fears, our finances, our family, the way in which we spend our time, and help us to surrender the way in which we understand Scripture. Maybe for some of us to surrender what we've been taught or was just kind of caught about Scripture. Help us.